What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone welcome into another episode of kentucky daily a daily podcast covering your university of kentucky wildcats i'm sean smith joined by Derek terry the cat's paws Derek, we got another good show coming up today yeah we'll be joined by jacob hester um that name sounds familiar perhaps you've listened to him on his radio show on sec this morning or perhaps you remember him as the uh one of the starting running backs of the lsu 2007 national championship team so We'll have him on. Uh, most of this episode will be featured uh, with that interview. But, Sean, some uh, basketball news this morning. Yeah, and it, it's kind of – Derek, I don't kind know about news. you. Kind of not. Kind of news. Yeah. Kind of. Well, given that the NCAA is looking at doing the same thing that football and, and volleyball and the fall sports did with giving giving athletes an extra year, so pretty much this is just a free year, Uh it's probably not surprising, but I think it was – I don't think it was really something any of us really thought about because I think we'd been so wrapped up in Olivier Saar's waiver claim and, you know, his eligibility and then Joey Gatewood's on the football side, Derek. But – and two, getting it from the – from like the preview, like the season preview, the book that UK sends out as like a media guy, that's where we got it from, is Jacob Toppin. So Kentucky did apply for a waiver for immediate eligibility with him. There, do, you have, do you think they have a good chance of getting it given the circumstances with – 2020 and how those things are sort of court, you know, sort of playing out right now. It's hard for me to say. I'm not really sure what his case would be. Um, then again, I don't know. If that always matters these days. How good of a case you have? I guess the the bigger question that I had was that it seemed that Kentucky was pretty content early on having Toppin set out this year, develop and practice, but now. I mean, it doesn't hurt to try, right, to get yeah. the waiver. So do you think there was a change because they thought they could actually get him eligible, or do you think that was always the plan all along and it just so happened to be kind of noted by UK that they're trying to get a waiver for him? Or has he turned heads in practice too? Has, has that been something? Uh, he's been showing up a lot in the photo galleries that from practice and stuff, and we've seen uh, – I think we've had pictures of him putting his head on the rim a couple of times. So, I mean, I'm sure – I just think too, with with it being a free year of eligibility, he's technically going to get this year back anyhow, right? He's already going to redshirt. Is that approved? It's. I think it's expected to be right from everything that I've read. It's. Who was it tweeted about it recently? Was it Jeff Goodman that tweeted about it within like the last forty eight hours that they were looking okay. at it? But yeah, but. With him, he could already redshirt, though, right? Even if he were to sit out this year, because he didn't redshirt at Rhode Island. So even if he did sit out, wouldn't he still technically be a sophomore next year? Can you red? Can you redshirt your year you're sitting out, or do you just lose yeah. that year entirely? 
No, you can redshirt that uh, that year. I'm pretty sure, and that leaves. I mean, you get that five year window anyway. So um, you get four to play five, right? That's how it's always been. So yeah. he would, yeah, he could redshirt that year then because he'd have three years after if he only used one of those years last year. Yeah, and you're right. That was the impression there early is that he they would just have him in practice, have him as a body, let him develop, get in the weight room. Uh, but I think as this has gone along, Derek, I think the the situation it kind of you kind of just look at it and you're like, okay, if you get him for a free year, if you can get it, then why not do it? Especially if that if they do vote on that, it's like Joey Gatewood right now, you know, playing this year and he's still going to be a sophomore next year at Kentucky. Yeah, uh, I didn't see Jeff Governor tweet any of that uh, what we were talking about, but I have they do have a transfer tracker for the waiver uh, on Stadium.com. And there have been a few guys who have been denied. I'm looking at it right now. you got two, four, six, seven guys so far who have been denied versus a whole long list of guys who are either pending or have been approved. So I don't know the circumstances surrounding these kids who are denied, why that happened. Um, but very interesting. Uh, you know, I think Kentucky's coaches would love to have top, and I don't know. I couldn't see him being anything more than a, you know, kind of a role player on this year's team. But to get him out there, get him, get him acclimated, and you know, that's that's kind of a. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. He's he's kind of a Keon Brooks type body, right? The six eight, yeah. six nine type wing, but super athletic, like a yeah. human pogo stick. Uh, I think he has a a solid shot on too. So Jeff tweeted that two days ago. Uh, it was on the the fifth, actually. It says well two days on the Twitter timeline, but it says sources: the basketball oversight committees likely to recommend the D1 cancel vote next week on winter sports getting additional year. Source: it should pass based on precedence with fall sports. So we could know something relatively soon. And Derek, when you look at 2020 and the situation with COVID-19, players losing. Uh, the NCAA tournament postseason play last year. Does it only make sense just and with the the transfer rule expected to go into effect in 21? What's wrong with just saying two months, three months sooner? Just go ahead and approving all these guys. That's what I agree with. Uh, and you look at this list of who they've approved, and you would think that they kind of agree with that as well, right? I mean. <laughs> Multa, I don't have the number added up. It looks like there's well over 50 kids, if not more, who have been approved so far, and um, only seven, like I said, who haven't. So, Toppin, that's an interesting case. I mean, transferring up in terms of competition level. So, I, I think it would be right for all these kids to be approved, especially if, you know, when I don't know when that vote's going to be, maybe after basketball season. I really, I'm really not sure, but – Football, you know, you see that a lot. And I guess one thing still regarding SAR, though, that's not really been cleared is is the the SEC made the exception for the transfers within the conference in football with Cade Mays and Joey Gatewood, but we still haven't really heard anything on that two years of eligibility uh, left rule. That's what it is, right, for SAR? It is. So we haven't heard anything about that. So we're still waiting for that to be approved. And for this rule to be approved with uh, with basketball. But let me tell you one thing that doesn't need my approval anymore, and that is the Butcher's Pub with two locations, one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Derek, uh, I think people are falling in love with the pub. I think they've gotten used to hearing that live read on here. Uh, they're very happy with the advertisement on Kentucky Daily. So get out to the Butcher's Pub. 
Wing Wednesdays, uh, 75-cent wings, $2 domestics. Get out there. All those delicious burgers that we've named off, that buffalo chicken sandwich. They have open mic night again this weekend, live music Friday night at both locations. Uh, they're closed on Sundays. I do need to start adding that. That's the only day of the week that the Butcher's Pub isn't open. Uh, but Saturday night, get out there, watch Kentucky-Mississippi State at 7.30 on the SEC Network. Uh, when we return, we're going to be joined by Jacob Hester. You're listening to Kentucky Daily. Call Bryant Law, 261-7381. This is attorney Jeremy Bryant. Have you been injured at work in the last 24 months? Contact Bryant Law. We want you to understand that every dime an insurance company keeps from you is another one they keep in their pocket. You're entitled to just compensation. So don't let the insurance company tell you what's proper. After all, you're the one who has been injured on the job. I'll evaluate your case and tell you the truth. Call Bryant Law in Corbin and get what you deserve. Visit online at jeremybryantlaw.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Kentucky Daily, as now we're joined by Jacob Hester. Jacob, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, glad to be here. I know we've been trying to work this out for a little bit, so I'm glad we could finally get it done. Yeah, you're you're a busy guy, but we, we wanted to get you on. We had uh, your buddy Chris Doring on the other night, because I know both of you all were uh, very high on Kentucky going into this season. And when we asked Chris about this 0-2 star, he said it, it's frustrating, even as someone who really doesn't have a connection to Kentucky but had a lot of, I guess, a lot of hope and faith that they could be possibly a, a contender in the East this year. So do you feel the same way? Oh, absolutely. And my belief in Kentucky came – I think it was maybe two SEC media days ago, and I was there the same day that Kentucky was there. And the way Mark Stoops was walking around like he was on a mission, and just this look on not only his face but the players' faces as well. I was like, look, I don't, I don't know who made them mad, but they're here, and they're here for some business. And so after that point, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to really do a deep dive in, into Kentucky because, you know, as you try to cover 14 teams, sometimes it's very difficult to do a deep dive into every team and try to, you know, focus in on all 14 teams the same. And it kind of goes little ebbs and flows depending on who's playing well, who's playing bad, whatever. But from that day on, like, I'm, I'm going to pay attention to what Kentucky's doing. And so my faith was in the coaching staff because they were going to do the little things right. They were going to be the more disciplined football team. They were going to make sure that if they had an opportunity, they were going to seize it. In these first two games, you haven't seen that. In fact, you've actually you've seen the opposite. In that game against Auburn, they were, they were the better team. They had a chance to pull away in that game really multiple times, right? And, you know, this isn't disrespectful to Auburn, but I feel like Kentucky lost that game more than Auburn went out there and won it. Now, credit Auburn when they had an opportunity, when they get an interception, when there's a, a fake punt that may or may not uh, uh, should have been called, right? Well, they take that and they go and score. So credit to them. But, man, Kentucky had so many moments in that game. I felt like they were the better team. And then you look at week two, and they just did things that they don't typically do, right? I mean, celebrating before you get to the end zone. In fact, I mean, you're 20 yards away from the end zone, and Rose, you know, has a, an early celebration, and then all of a sudden you get tackled, and all of a sudden Rose again on the goal line, he fumbles. It's just back-to-back weeks of things you don't typically see from a Mark Stoops team because, again, going back to it, I believe in this coaching staff. I truly think they're the most underrated staff in the country, not only the conference. And so when you turn on the tape and you see those type of things and that's the reason you're losing the game, that's probably the most shocking thing to not only me, 
but Doring and Peter Burns, I mean, we were talking Kentucky all offseason because we believed that it would be the complete opposite for those things. Jacob, obviously a uh, big game after all the things you just said. Uh, Kentucky's going to try to avoid an 0-3 start and going up against a, a really interesting matchup, I think, with Mississippi State. Obviously uh, kind of shocked, I think, the SEC week one, throwing for over 600 yards and beating the, the defending national champs here on the modern LSU, and then I didn't get to watch all of last week's game against Arkansas, but it seemed like they just kind of laid an egg uh, in their home opener. Uh, so Mississippi State's one and one coming to Lexington. So how do you kind of see this matchup shaking out? Yeah, so against LSU, obviously a lot of people watched that game. KJ, uh, KJ Costello just showed out, right? Those for the SEC record there. And LSU, uh, you know, tried to play man coverage. They tried to go man for man against the air raid, and the air raid won out. Well, what Arkansas did is, well, they had watched that tape. They turn on that tape. They're like, hey, we're not going to do that. We, we don't have even the Jimmys and Joes that LSU has. So we're going to change up our coverage. We're going to play more zone coverage. All three of his interceptions went into zone coverage there for Costello. And so you just assume the book's kind of out on Leach because he's been doing it for 20-plus years, but you just never know what he's going to do. So now you had a week of game film where you made those adjustments. LSU did not adjust. Arkansas did adjust. And so if you're a Kentucky fan, you have the same hopes that Kentucky saw – what Arkansas was able to do to confuse Costello, and they're going to do more of the same because Kentucky's got a more talented defense than Arkansas does. And so that's something to pay attention to. And Kylan Hill, he didn't he got injured in the game against Arkansas. He was the star against LSU. I was surprised when he came back and didn't go to the NFL, especially when Mike Leach was hired. You're thinking, this guy's a runner. He's going to go in a Mike Leach offense. He had more carries by himself, by the way, than Washington State had as a team the year before that just kind of tells you what the mo obviously of mike leach is and so it was a surprise for me but this guy's as talented as anybody in the country and so you know his status for the game that's that's something that that changes the entire game plan for everybody because they want to get him the ball and he's not even going to run it they're just going to find ways to get him the ball get it to him on screen get it to him you know as fast as they can so he's really been key you know good and bad for mississippi state in the first couple of weeks Jacob, you had uh, you had you and Doring had me on SEC this morning a month ago, and you all asked me about Kentucky's defense, and I I pumped up the secondary and Kelvin Joseph and those guys, and to this point they haven't lived up to the preseason hype. Is that a surprise to you, given how much uh, they had coming little, yeah. back? Yeah, it is a little bit because of what you just said. They had guys coming back, and even Kelvin Joseph, who didn't play for Kentucky last year, when he was a freshman at LSU, he played a lot. I mean, he played a lot as a true freshman. In fact, he started his first game against Miami. And so you have all these people coming back. You just assume that it's going to work. But sometimes the chemistry can take a couple of weeks, right? They haven't, that group hasn't played together. And so that can take a couple of weeks. And so it's, it's still surprising. But I think you're seeing that across the SEC. Veteran guys that hadn't necessarily played together, and it's just not working out in some cases. And I expect that group to continue to get better. They're not where we thought they would be game one. But, I mean, think about it. You can say that really across the board for a lot of units, really talented units across the SEC. So I only think it's going to get better. This is a game that they can go out there, though, and they can prove it against this high-powered offense because there was times against Auburn they had great coverage, right? They had Seth Williams covered up as well as you want him to be covered up, and Seth Williams went and made the play. Well, now it's time for Kentucky and those defensive backs to start making some of those plays. Jacob, one of the things Kentucky has done fairly well this year – specifically the last game, but even against Auburn, they had their moments in the run game uh, with those running backs. And Terry Wilson was much more involved uh, rushing the ball last week versus his first game. 
against uh, Auburn. But with Kavase smoke down this week, Kentucky is pretty much down to two running backs. They might have a chance to play a few other guys, depending on how things shake out. But I wanted to get your impressions of, of Chris Rodriguez, and we mentioned A.J. Rose a little bit earlier, but how those guys have done so far uh, this season. I love that it's 2020 and we can actually talk about the running game because everybody wants to throw the football now. So as a former running back, I love this one. Uh, I love the runners that they have. You mentioned Cavassier Smoke. He's going to be out. I mean, he's such a game changer. But not a lot of schools can have two other guys that they can plug in and you're going to get great production from. Uh, yeah, Rose had a tough week. I, I was disappointed in him because I know what kind of player he is. So you have two ways you can go, right? You can you can go into the corner and you can kind of sulk and you can kind of think about last week, or you can go out and you can have a hell of a game this week against Mississippi State and kind of make people start to forget about the thing that you did a week ago. So I expect that from him. But Christopher Rodriguez, as a former, uh, you know, big back that a lot of people thought was going to play fullback and you get the opportunity to carry the football, I love his running style. He runs mean, tough, nasty. And you've got a really good dynamic there. I think all three backs are, are different, which it, it's hard, right? Because if you want to have a running back by committee, you can't just have the same guy out there. Because what's the purpose? If you have three guys that have the same style, well, there's no purpose in having a running back by committee. We're just going to have the best guy get a bulk of the carries. But you have three different backs. I know, like I said, Cavassi is not playing this week. But you still have two really good backs that are different. So I'd love to see Kentucky kind of implement them in different ways. Jacob, I'll ask you this next. How, how does Kentucky turn this around? You know, last year they had the three-game losing streak. They had both quarterbacks get banged up, pretty much be out the rest of the season because we really didn't see Sawyer Smith much in the second half of the year. But they they knew who to turn to. They had Lynn Bowden. Now Lynn Bowden's not there. Who who does this Kentucky team need to rely on to, to get this moving in the right direction? I think it's got to be the quarterback. I think you got to say, hey, Terry Wilson, I know that you missed some time. I know it's a little rusty, and that's to be expected. I mean, you miss a full year like that, it's it's to be expected. But I was high on Kentucky all offseason for, like, so many different reasons, but one of them was Terry Wilson and Terry Wilson coming back. And it was amazing the, the job that the staff did to switch the offense last year, and you put your best receiver at quarterback, and he not only succeeds, he leads the conference in rushing. You win games. You win a bowl game. That is highly impressive to me that coaching staff could do that. Okay, well, now you need to see some of those things from Terry Wilson. Whatever he's done well in the first two games, that's that's what we have to do. We have to give him that game plan to succeed. What he's done bad in the first two games, hey, let's scrap it. You don't have time in this season, especially when you start 0-2, to keep in, you know keep trying to work on things and see if he can develop. No, whatever he's done well in the first two weeks, that's what we're going to roll with because everybody – that watched the Kentucky game last year when Lynn Bowden was the quarterback. They knew what was coming for the most part, and they couldn't stop it. That's because you designed it. You called the plays when they needed to be called. It was enough of a, a, a mix-up at times to be able to keep defenses on their heels. Well, go out there and do some of those type of things because I'm still a believer in Terry Wilson. I think even more, hey, if you want to put more on his shoulders, if you want to give him more opportunities, well, do that. He's a veteran quarterback in this league, but it's got to start with him. If it's not Terry Wilson, then it could be troublesome for Kentucky. And I think Kentucky opened as a three-point favorite against Mississippi State, and now I think it's down to two. Uh, the weather is going to be a factor, Jacob. We saw Kentucky last year. They really benefited from a lot of those wet rain games last year. So do you give Kentucky an edge with their, their ground attack? Oh, absolutely. If weather plays a factor into this game, there's no question who you know has the upper hand. 
if you're Kentucky, you hope it's raining cats and dogs out there because <laughs> you've got some horses in the backfield that can absolutely go. And Mississippi State, obviously they've got a back, and they've got a couple of backs, but they're not comfortable running the football. That's not who they are. They want to throw the football 60 times a game, as we've already seen. So if you've got a wet ball out there, well, you've got the two running backs. You're going to di- uh, dictate the space, uh, the the uh, the pace. I mean, you're going to dictate everything that goes with the pace of this game because you've got the guys. You have the offensive line, by the way. That's something we hadn't talked about. You know what I think about this offensive line. So you have the offensive line to be able to go out there, dictate the game, we say, hey, we're going to slow this down. We're not going to let your offense on the field. We're going to run the football. We're going to control the clock. We're going to go a little bit old school SEC, and that's how we're going to win this football game. So, yeah, if weather plays a factor, that definitely favors Kentucky. Jacob, a couple of big SEC games this week. Uh, probably most notable, at least in terms of Kentucky fan interest, is Tennessee and Georgia because uh, after this weekend, obviously those are the next two opponents for Kentucky. So wanted to get your opinion. Are the Vols back? Can they uh, – can they win this game? Uh, and if so, it, it, well, any other games, I guess, as well in the SEC that maybe catch your eye this week outside of the what I would consider probably the biggest one in Tennessee and Georgia. All right, so everybody knows because we've talked about Tennessee on their eight-game winning streak. And you take a look at the opponents. It hasn't necessarily been the who's who in the SEC, obviously. But you still, you've won eight games in a row. That's incredibly hard to do, and it doesn't really matter who you're playing in college football. So you give them credit there. I don't think they're there yet. I don't think they're there where they can go out and they can beat a Georgia on the road, even with a capacity like it is. Can they compete in this game? Absolutely. I think they compete in this game all the way until the fourth quarter. I think Georgia's talent finally does take over. But this is kind of a, of a good test to see exactly where Tennessee's at. If Tennessee goes and they get in a dogfight and they lose in the fourth quarter, then, yeah, I'd say the balls are not only back there a contender in the East, but if they go out there and look like Auburn did a week ago, well, then obviously that changes things. I think it's more – of a dogfight until the fourth quarter, and then that talent gap shows a little bit. And Tennessee's coming there. Tennessee's done a really nice job on the recruiting trail, but I think Georgia's just too talented. I think they'll take over that game. Uh, a couple of more games that are intriguing to me, Florida at Texas A&M. We've been hearing since Moby Dick was a minnow that Texas A&M was going to be the team that was championship caliber in the next season, and then it was the next season. And then, wait, no, 2020, our schedule gets a little bit easier. Well, they got embarrassed in Tuscaloosa last week. Okay, you've got an opportunity. You've got the number four Florida Gators coming to town. They're a high-powered offense. I think a lot of this Florida team, right, and if you go out there, you play well, and you beat them, then okay, we're not going to talk so bad about you. But if you get blown out again against another contender, it's going to be a long season because they still got some horses coming up on their schedule. And Texas A&M fans have been waiting for this season. We get Clemson off the schedule. We've got those teams coming to us, right? We don't have to go on the road to Baton Rouge. They're coming to us. There's no excuses in the SEC when it comes to scheduling. It's not going to ever get any easier, right? SEC play is what it is. And so it's a big game with a lot of pressure on Texas A&M. Now, Florida, they've got pressure as well, the number four team in the country. But if Texas A&M gets embarrassed again, it's going to get interesting uh, there in College Station. But maybe an under-the-radar game that I feel like not a lot of people are talking about is Arkansas at Auburn. Auburn went out, like I said in the first game, they got fortunate that Kentucky gave them that game. They gave them multiple opportunities. Yes, they made the most of it, but they didn't look great in that game to me. And then they looked extremely bad last week against Georgia. Okay, so you've got an Arkansas team coming to town that's on a high. They just won their first SEC game in the last 20 tries. They're a team that beat Mississippi State, obviously Kentucky's opponent this week, and you got embarrassed on national TV. Who's going to show up? Because if Arkansas goes into Jordan-Hare and they beat Auburn, 
you talk about some more pressure. I don't know what, where would more pressure be. Would it be at Auburn or would it be at Texas A&M? So there is intriguing games all over the map in the SEC. Pressure pack situation. If you love offense, Alabama at Ole Miss is the game to watch. Ole Miss isn't real interested in tackling anybody. And I don't know if Alabama is going to have to punt in this game. But same thing for Matt Corral and Ole Miss. They're going to score their points and gain their yards too. So it's a great SEC slate this week. And this may be a difficult question to, to answer. I predicted Kentucky seven and three in the preseason. I think Derek said six and four on our show. And obviously seven and three is going to be difficult to get to now with still Alabama, Florida, Georgia on that schedule. But Jacob, when you when you look at the rest of this, it's possible. I mean, a lot has to go in their favor. Possible. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) So Derek doesn't think that's happening. But I'll ask you this: in your mind, what would you like to see Kentucky get to for you to still be like this program's still moving in a great direction? They can still build some momentum because it's a weird season. I think you can possibly throw out a couple of things this year and be like, okay, chalk it up as a weird year and then move forward next year in what we hope is a normal college football season. I'd love to see him get to six and four this year. And I know you, you hear six and four and like, wait a minute, that's that's an average season. I don't think so. Not in this year. Not when you have 10 SEC games, not with having, uh, you know, two losses to start your season. One last week, just gut-wrenching, a game that you basically had the entire game until the final kick. And so if you can if you can find a way to get to six and four, because that gives you, you know, some big time wins. That means you've got a, a win against either Tennessee, Georgia, Alabama or Florida. Right. And I think this Kentucky team is just too talented not to win at least one of those games. They'll upset somebody. They'll be a big underdog in one of those games and they'll go out there and they'll win it because the talent's still there. The coaching staff's still there. All the belief that we had in this Kentucky team is still there you got to stop shooting yourself in the foot. If you stop doing that, then you give yourself an opportunity in every game that you play in this year. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some difficult games. Going back-to-back weeks, Tuscaloosa in the swamp, nobody wants that. But if you want to be that program like we think you can be, because I said it the first two weeks, I said it on the SEC Network earlier this week, Kentucky doesn't look comfortable playing as a contender right now. They do not look comfortable in the role of we're supposed to be here. That is so surprising to me because I thought this was going to be the year that they finally said, you know what, we're not that team that's a nice story. No, we're that team that's going to challenge the first and second teams in the East. We're going to be that team that scares every single team that we play. They've got to get to that. They've got to get their swagger back because they have the ability. They have the staff. They have the scheme. It's all there. You just have to stop making the mental mistakes that are killing you in these games. And, again, I'll go back to the thing we've talked about at the very beginning. That's not who Kentucky is. Kentucky under Mark Stoops is in games and wins games because they do the opposite. So all you have to do is be yourself. You don't have to play outside of yourself. You just have to be yourself, and I think you can get to six and four. Is it going to be hard? Yeah, it's going to be hard as hell, but you can do it because you've got the Jimmys and Joes to do it. Jacob, last thing I have for you, and it's going back to a previous question. Uh, You're talking about Ole Miss and Alabama. Before you got on here, Sean and I were talking about it. Uh, It seems like for Stabman, that's one coach who – he should be able to put up plenty of points, Saban, and that offense should. Uh, I was wondering your impression if uh, he would call off the dogs, I guess a guy like Lane Kiffin, knowing how uh, interesting their relationship was when Lane was in Tuscaloosa. No, and I don't even think it has anything to do with Lane. I mean, look at what Lane, look at look at what Lane did for Alabama. I mean, he got them out of the Stone Age, right? They were a team, and it was them and LSU. They still played in a phone booth. They liked to run 
21 personnel, 12 personnel, and they tried to run the football and play great defense. Well, Lane got him out of his comfort zone, and it's turned Alabama's offense into what it is now. And so I think he is probably pretty happy with the job that Lane's done, but I played for Coach Saban at LSU. This man ain't calling off the dogs against anybody. If he can score 100, he's going to score 100. And and now it's even scarier because that's within their offense, right? Used to, if they were trying to run the score up, you could kind of tell. But now it's like, hey, we're running our offense. We're just out there throwing to these receivers that run four one sevens. And so, yeah, Coach Saban's not going to take it lightly. Um, it's it's amazing that when you look at his record against his assistants, that none of those guys have ever beaten him. And it kind of shows you the success that he's had and the fact that he beat Texas A&M last week. He's got Lane coming up. He's got Kirby coming up. He's got Jeremy Pruitt coming up. He's got four of his former assistants in four straight weeks. That tells you the kind of success that Coach Saban's been able to have. Jacob, great stuff from you. Uh, I always enjoy listening to you on SEC this morning and enjoy our conversations. And be safe with uh, the Hurricane, Hurricane Delta coming through this weekend. No, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Y'all know that uh, I am a big fan of what Kentucky's doing from afar, so hopefully the Wildcats can get back on track this week. He's Jacob Hester, and you're listening to Kentucky Daily. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to Kentucky Daily. Derek? We will talk about that interview with Jacob in a second, but you reminded me of Cal's video. With uh, it looked like the only thing that he was putting out there was to vote and wear a mask, but he had all the you know, and then the spinning around in his chair, and we're like, "What did we just watch?" And we just thought, "Well, this is just typical John Calipari being John Calipari." Well, our buddy John Hell of the Courier Journal he slowed it down, and there's a different message in there, Derek, and. I'm going to play that right now for the for the people listening to the show, just in case they haven't heard it. So this is this is John Hale slowed down Calipari's video that he put on Twitter. So I'll play the full video first, and then I'll play the slowed down version. I know you've been waiting for me to talk because there's all kind of important things to talk about. I mean, Chris Mack is out of his mind, right? That's what he's saying. The, <laughs> the guy down west, he's nuts. He's out of his mind is uh, what he said. I have to think Kentucky knew somebody out there on the Internet uh, would slow this video down, find out what was said. Uh, nothing egregious. I mean, nothing over the line from Cal by any means. Uh, and maybe that was part of the fun of it for Cal is uh, to do that and to know that people would go decipher it and find out what he said. Kind of a fun way to do it, although uh, you think he maybe should have been more direct, or do you think uh, this was his way to, I would say, maybe somewhat make light of the situation? I think it was perfect. I, I really do, because it's one of those things where you, you thought I wasn't going to say anything, but I said it, but 
I hit it perfectly. Like it was uh, whoever's idea that was brilliant. Like kudos to you. I don't know if it was TJ Bosner. I don't know who came up with that idea, but I would love to know because I don't think Cal came up with that himself. But I, he was talking. Then he threw the little the NBA thing in there, like what he's doing in the finals. You know, talking about Anthony Davis or you know yeah. Tyler Hero. Like you didn't you don't know who he was talking about, but he gets that in there, and then as he turned around, then it's the Chris Mack and I. I loved it. Like I personally, I thought it was fantastic. It was. It was really good. Um, I, I think that's probably going to die down for now. That's kind of the rebuttal to, to what Max said. So I think uh, both sides will probably be pretty quiet on the matter until. I mean, unless something crazy happens, I don't really foresee anything happening right now. So I think that's kind of resolved for for the time and, being. And applaud to both of them. I love yeah. it from both sides. I, I love it. I I want the. I like the cow taking you know, punching back. I do. Like a lot of people say, well, don't punch down because it's little brother and you've beaten them so many times. No, throw a haymaker. I mean, I, I want this rivalry to be nasty. Give me something in 2020. I want to look forward to December 26th, Derek. Like that's going to that's gonna be fun because you know we're going to get some, probably won't get any jabs now between now and then, but uh, should be a very spiced up game for that rivalry. You know Louisville is going to put all their eggs in a basket, try to beat Kentucky, and if Kentucky and Cal beat them again, then I don't know I don't know how Louisville fans are going to react to that. You're right. Uh, real quick, we got a couple minutes left. Some thoughts on the Jacob Hester interview. We appreciate him coming on, sharing his thoughts on Kentucky. You know, I got similar vibes from him, from uh, Chris Dory. You know, expect more from this team, and he's not giving up on UK either, despite the slow start. He hasn't. He did tell us off the record after we wrapped up that if Kentucky upsets one of those teams, Tennessee, Georgia, or Alabama, Florida, that uh, he and Doring need to come on Kentucky Daily <laughs> together and have a Kentucky party. I think it's a great idea. So we will remember that, Derek. Uh, no, I thought it was a really good interview with Jacob. I thought he gave some very good insight into not only Kentucky and where they are, uh, but the SEC overall. And I know that was the that was a bigger picture topic that you wanted from that interview. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, the more Kentucky loses, the the less. Like, and Mississippi State didn't help last week by losing to Arkansas either. But this was a game that actually could have been one of the better ones in the league had Kentucky got off to a better start and after what Mississippi State did. But as it is, I mean, it's it's an interesting game somewhat. Um, Sean, do you want to tease tomorrow's guest, or do you want to make it a surprise for the folks? Let's tease it. Let's tease it. If uh, if you made it to the end of this, because uh, our consumption percentage is always over 90%, so if, if this is part of that 90%, then uh, you will know that Hal Mummy will be on Kentucky Daily for Friday's episode. We're going to have him on to talk about Mike Leach and his return to Lexington and should tell some really good stories, Derek. When I, when I texted him this morning, he said, absolutely. He said, you name a time and I'll be on. He's looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. When I texted you, I told you I had a surprise for you, and it's how mummy. And we also have another surprise for you. Tomorrow is Mailbag Friday, so send us your mailbag questions. We will get to them, DM them to us, uh, reply to the podcast tweet today. Uh, but this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you tomorrow. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.